Is it me to read the thing? I can't remember. Uh, yep, uh, you're, you're starting this one. Welcome back to the Measuring Up podcast, episode 17. The UK's first, and as far as we know, only commercial joinery podcast. I'm Andy McClellan, and I run a joinery and cabinet-making business up in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, and I also run the Gotham Handyman YouTube channel. And I'm Peter Millard, and as well as running a virtual 10-minute workshop on YouTube, I also run a very much real-life carpentry and cabinet-making business here in the garden spot of West London. Now, every couple of weeks, we get together in our internet cafe, and we have a chat about, well, whatever takes our fancy, or whatever's been suggested by you, our fantastic listeners, or indeed, whatever's come in through social or email, and uh, we've got a lot to discuss this week. Oh, my word. Uh, we've, we've had a huge, a huge flood of uh, uh, of communications from uh, from you guys and thank you so much for getting in touch uh, uh, the best way to get in touch with us of course is through the show email address which is contact at measuring that'll always reach us or indeed through our social sites uh, not really on facebook uh, but on twitter we are measuring up pc or instagram measuring up podcast so uh, uh, best way to reach us all uh, but before we get into all that feedback stuff how have you been andy i've been not too bad i think i'm, I'm a bit coldy today so if, ignore oh kind of um if i'm sounding a bit throaty um but it's uh you know it's like kids back at school for the winter oh, term yes. and suddenly the the gym magnets just start spreading the the colds around they do and, they do and uh so yeah but i'm, I'm fine uh, i'm it doesn't stop anything but it just makes me sound like the guy off the tunes advert <laughs> before or after well maybe a bit <laughs> both <laughs> and what about yourself uh, all right thank you yeah keeping busy having fun uh lots going on i think i said last time that uh, uh people seem to have just realized that uh, christmas is but around the corner and suddenly everything needs doing before christmas so it's 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 getting a bit full-on frantic. It's that time of year. Uh, it's that time of year, and, uh, you know, the the <laughs> the days are getting shorter, and yet they need to be longer. We're, we're, there's just so much to do. Plus, of course, all the YouTube stuff, you know. All the, you know uh, it's, it's hard to fit it all in sometimes. Uh, I'm getting really bad, actually, uh, and very lax, and I apologise to everybody here, as I will on, on the YouTube channel as well, about uh, responding to... Oh, messages, emails, uh, comments generally. Uh, I was chatting the other day with someone and we were saying that YouTube comments are, are, are fine in that you get a comment in and you can reply to it. But if somebody replies to that, you get a notification about it, but you have no idea where it is. Uh, it's really hard to keep up uh, with, with things. And again, throw in... You know, Patreon and messages through Instagram or, or Twitter, and it gets it gets difficult. I think we we chatted last time about you know there, there comes a point where you have to start sort of stepping back from it, and it, it, I'm just struggling to keep up with with all that. Plus, you know, work stuff. You know, the the, the paying work, <laughs> the paying customers tend to appreciate a response occasionally as well. So uh, that's got to take priority, really, hasn't it? So. Yes, indeed. Oh, that's what I didn't get. I didn't get a drink of water. Ah, do you want to do that now? Can it just give us two seconds. Yep. Two seconds. (whistles) 
Andy has got a, well, um, I can't hear a light bulb with three lights in it. I think it's one of those fancy photo lights. Right, I can hear you. So is that, one a, is that a, like a photo lamp thing behind you with a three three lights in it? It is, yeah. Uh, can you see it? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see where I'm... Yeah, 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 just about. In, the, um, in my studio room, because I do the odd bit of recording in here, mainly for the other channels... And I've got a couple of those, and I did have the big diffusers on them, but the diffusers just take up so much room that I'm I'm sacrificing the softness of the light uh-huh. to have a little bit more space, and I'm surviving with them without diffusers, and it, it it's fine for the sort of stuff I do. Yeah. Um. At least I've got the light. And, and who doesn't like the rabbit in the headlights look? You know. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Especially when it like glimmeringly shines off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. So, but unfortunately, I, I just couldn't move in this room for diffusers on lights. So <laughs> they've they've had to go. It's a bit of an experiment. We'll see how long it lasts. But yeah, yeah. The diffusers are, are tricky. I'm, I quite like the LEDs, but they're. Uh, the the photo LEDs are quite expensive um, because they 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 can shift color. You can change the color balance of them, um, which is quite clever. And also the dimmable ones. Uh, I've got a couple of those that are they're around right twenty quid. They're not too bad, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, you know they they they're a bit direct. Sometimes you need to soften them down a little bit. Uh, the 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 soft boxes, the diffusers are really good, but they do they do take up a lot of space. Yeah, they do. They're they're a bit of a pain. And I, and I had one in the workshop. In fact, that is the one out the workshop. But now that I'm trying to get the lights upgraded in the workshop, I thought, well, I might as well get that one out of there because there's no point in having the whole point of what I'm doing is to have one uh, temperature of lights throughout and yep. um so i thought well that might as well come out and uh it gives us an extra light in the studio room as well so yeah sure um i'll tell you what i'd like to get um is a an external monitor for my camera uh eyesight fading is it by any chance well it, it, that <laughs> and I, I mean yeah, yeah i mean no. i'm short-sighted anyway so yeah. I, uh, when i'm standing away from the camera doing a piece to camera I cannot see. I, I can barely see the screen, never mind whether or not I'm in focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, even just for focusing at the moment, what I have to do is kind of, I use a, a focusing stick, which, um, so I zoom in on the end of the focusing stick uh-huh. and then lock the focus in. But even that, it's difficult to see if it's properly in focus because yeah. the screen on the camera is just so small. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I've, I've got to say, I've gone back to uh, to using autofocus and it's actually working very well. Is it all right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've had too many autofocus disasters where... Well, I've, I've had some manual focus disasters as well. I've had to reshoot stuff because I've just got the focus wrong. Right. Because one of the one of the headaches is, of course, you know, your arms are, you know, despite having the most ridiculously long arms in the world, they're just not long enough to be able to focus properly. As I say, what I do, I've, I've got a stick with a nail on the end. Yeah. And I stand that distance away from the camera. So I basically hold the stick up to the camera and line the nail up with my eye, mm. and then I focus on the nail on the end. So as long as my head is where that stick was, which it, it more or less is. Yeah, I, I do the similar sort of thing. I, I just put a stand-in shot yeah. and focus on that. But again, you know, you don't, you, you don't need to be far away one side or the other to lose focus on that, and uh, you, you just sit back down in the wrong place or whatever else. And I found that the autofocus generally works extremely well. Um, I had a lot of problems when I first had the camera, but uh, these days it's uh, it seems to be pretty good. Yeah, as, as I say, I've I've had 
too many where the autofocus decides to focus on something else. Yeah. For whatever reason. So the background is perfectly sharp and there's this fuzzy amorphous blob in the foreground that's talking. The sound's really good, but <laughs> the pictures are rubbish. <laughs> and if it's just a relatively short piece, it's it's not the end of the world. But I've had ones, especially where I've been doing like my tax videos and stuff like that, where it's been like a great big, long, like 20-minute yeah. run. And then you go back and, and then you check it and it's like, oh, the whole thing is out of focus and you have to redo the whole thing and it's just like, oh, don't believe it. You know, it'll be that one perfect shot as well. You know, you've yeah. said everything right. Yeah, of right course. And- the one perfect take where you do everything just right and you don't stumble over your words or say things wrong and it just sort of falls apart. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've... I've got to say, the I think mine's got some kind of facial recognition in it so that it sort of latches onto a face and focuses on that. Uh, certainly there's a, there's a little yellow or green box on the screen that sort of follows my head around, so it's either a target or uh, it is actually latching on focus-wise, and that does seem to work pretty well. I'll tell you one thing. I was watching one of your videos just yesterday. It was, I think it was the one about the it, the thumbnail is like a tip of your sprayer. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not your last video, but the one before, I think. And it was, um, you were talking about clearing out the tip of the spray yeah, gun right. yeah, yeah, and your, yeah. your grackle being, uh, going back for repair and all that. Yeah. And you did a piece to camera in that just using your phone. Yeah. Did you, is that the, I mean, the picture quality was amazing. I know it's just but incredible. The, the audio quality was amazing as well. I mean, it was to the point where it was like, okay, you're doing that to your phone but do you have a separate mic where you're using a lav yeah. mic? Or is that just the phone mic? That's just the phone mic. It sounds perfect. You, if, you keep it, if you keep it close enough to, to you, so for vlogging, that sort of thing, it's absolutely fantastic. Is that on the uh, iPhone X, is it? Or? Yeah, it's an iPhone XS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've used them before and they've been okay, but in this one, it, it's particularly good. Um, I'm going to do a Wednesday workshop on it, do an ordinary bloke's uh, take on the, on the XS to see if it's... Uh, genuinely worth the money um, is it a 10 or an x then because it, uh it's a it's a they, they say 10 this right because i know when it first came out everyone was like oh this is a new iphone x and then x yeah well i don't know yeah i don't i don't know why they go with the roman numerals it's a bit kind of you know but uh yeah they, it's it's supposed to be 10 because xs would be xs wouldn't it you know true yes yeah, so it's a 10s <laughs> yeah so um so it's the 10s and it's it's very very good I've got to say it is they are ridiculously expensive um but uh I'd say it's almost worth paying that for the camera so um alone that yeah. in that video um you were talking about your air quality monitor mm. and I was going to mention on today's show my air quality monitor's packed in ah because so, mine has, yeah. Exactly the same problem as yours. Really? It's just sky-high readings? Just sky-high readings, even when... Interesting. And I thought it was just me, and I thought, and I was keeping the air f- filter running, and I thought, is the air filter, like, chucking particles back out into the room? Like, why is my... Because it was constantly sitting at about 3,000, and my workshop's normally yeah. about 400 or something yeah. like that. Base baseline. And it was constant. I walk into the room, and it's like, it can't just be the dust that's being raised up from me walking into the room. So I took the I took it out of the workshop and I set it up in the house in a like a normal room in the house and it was still showing like three thousand odd um, minimum reading. That's interesting. Um, and it it's only six months old and I got in touch with the company I bought it off 
and and I said, look, I mean, uh, it, it's only six months old. This, and I'm recommending this product to yeah. people. And um, is there anything that you can do here? Because, I mean, I, I assumed it would come with some sort of one-year warranty or something like that. Mm. And they just said, oh, no, since it's over six months old, because it was like six months and three days old or something, we can't do anything. And I said, well, are, are you sure? Because if if you're willing to sort this out, then I'll keep it as a product on my product list and stuff. Yeah, But I can't recommend it if it's going to break after six months. And they just said, no, maybe you can find a technician locally who can fix it for you. And it's like, oh, well, screw you then. <laughs> so, That's uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I know I know you mentioned that you'd bought another one. Did you get another one the same? Yeah, I bought the, the same one again. It's fine. I would highly recommend returning it because, as I say, mine lasted six months. Exactly the same problem with as yours. Interesting. I would have sworn that it was because it was exposed to very high levels of paint dust and whatever I, else. I but, saw you uh, saying that on your video, and and I would have assumed the same, that it was paint dust, but my workshops just had normal MDF dust, nothing special. You can just buy the sensor. I've, I, bought, I, I bought another one because, you know, I wanted one, uh, and I, you can actually just buy the sensor. It's about 15 quid. Right. Um, and I'm going to try changing that. No, I've already taken it back across the road. Uh, so I'll just change the sensor as a as an experiment. I might give that a try, uh, but, but I'll mention that I didn't. I didn't know that's uh, that's interesting. I might have to uh, stop recommending that then. Yeah, which is annoying because it did the job really well. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously so, and as I say, mine hasn't been subject to any paint dust. No paint dust it, or anything. It's no. just pure normal workshop yeah. dust. And One thing I will say is, I when you it is a real eye. I don't know if you did this before, but if you do take it into your house. It is a real eye opener what the residual dust levels are. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's, but it shouldn't be three thousand. <laughs> no, no. But it, but but certainly my home, which is you know non-smoking, child and pet-free, uh, the levels, the residual dust levels here were higher than the baseline in the workshop, uh, which is which is interesting. That's very interesting, and I, I wonder if that's because you've got the air filter in the workshop now. Then this this was way before this is way before the air. Oh, filter, this was yeah. before. Oh well, I'll keep an eye on that certainly. And uh... yeah, it's a, it's a pain because I mean I had a look at like other ones, and there's there's like an official one made by Fluke, and that's about three thousand pounds or something. Yeah, oh well, that's that's why I bought this one because they're they're about you know they're a few hundred quid uh, to to buy a a proper one if you like. One that that will record over a period of time. Have you tried uh, using your extremely quiet compressor to to blow some air through it? Because it's got a little f- little fan in it that sucks the air. Yeah, no, I, t- I have, and I always used to keep it pretty clean anyway, so I'd, I wouldn't let dust build up on top of it and things. Yeah. I would always every every couple of days just give it a, a gentle blow just to keep the oh, air there, there's your problem it. right right there sir i know I've, I've looked after it too well <laughs> yes you've been forcing compressed air into but it yes <laughs> uh, now that's a drag um I'll, I'll keep an eye on mine then because i i would have sworn that i mean mine mine only happened directly after i'd been doing that heavy heavy spraying with the little hvlp uh and it, uh, there was a lot of paint in the air uh, there was a lot of a uh, lot of overspray uh so i'll keep an eye on on the new one then because uh you know, they're, they're reasonably priced, but if you have to change them every six months, it's, it's slightly self-defeating, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it'll become quite expensive. So what, uh, should we have a look at a 
some of the follow-up. Yeah, I mean, we got some some great follow-up this week from a variety of people. Uh, I don't know if everybody has given their permission uh, to use their names, so we'll just refer to them by first names um, for now. But we've got a lot of follow-up on the uh, on on the qualifications side of things uh, when we talked about uh, what does uh, an apprenticeship mean, what does a qualified joiner mean. Uh, again, one of the things that really comes up is how much it varies in different parts of the country. Um, we had a, a, a Robert from uh, up in Scotland who said it is is very much um, a modern apprenticeship, uh, four years long, two years of college and two years on site, gaining the necessary job site experience. Uh, and the adult apprenticeship is only uh, the two years college portion of the apprentice process, which is interesting. Uh, he says when he was at college, he attended two weeks at college and two weeks at work. So it's sort of half on, half off for the period. Um, and he goes on to say that even the, the, the problem is even when you become qualified, you've you've still got to do six months work uh, as a placement before you can call yourself qualified. So it's like, you know, even once you're qualified, you, you, you've got to serve your time for six months as a, as, as a junior. So somebody gets cheap labor <laughs> out of you, which is a bit, uh, a little bit cruel. He says he's now a time served, uh, unqualified carpenter joiner. Uh, but it probably doesn't, he, he does say it doesn't make him a better, better tradesman than, than you or I. Um, he says he's, he would feel intimidated to work beside either of us. <laughs> I don't think you would, to be honest, but uh, anyway. Um, uh, but he says, you know, you, we both have something over him that you can't get from a college certificate, which is experience. Uh, and that's the difference. He also said that on his skills test, there was a female candidate and she passed with flying colours and is now set up as her own business. So good for her. Which is fantastic. And we've, we've got we've got to see more of that. And uh, But... At, I'm still completely baffled by what an apprenticeship is. And I've read all of the comments or most of the comments coming in. And is the apprenticeship just the bit of work experience after college? Or is the apprenticeship the the stuff you do at college? Because, I I mean, I I was looking at... Because from this note that, uh, uh, that Robert sent... And, for example, he said the the adult apprentice is only the two-year college portion of the apprentice process. But I thought the apprenticeship is the six-month bit that he's doing afterwards. I thought an apprenticeship is the bit that you do almost like a work placement. It's like an extended work work placement. You've got the college bit, yeah, and that kind of teaches you everything you need to know. In theory. This is just my understanding. But you've got the college bit, which is like your, your theoretical knowledge, and then you've got your on-site stuff, which is your your more of your practical building up experience. And it's the on-site stuff that I thought that bit is the apprenticeship. Okay. Uh, because everything I've read, um, for example, you can go onto like um, these training websites and you can pay like three grand. Or, or Well, here's a one here, one and a half grand, and it gets you an NVQ. In carpentry, I'm not sure what level, uh, but <laughs> there is no timescale on achieving a carpentry NVQ. Okay. 
If your line of work allows, NVQs can be achieved in a relatively short space of time. However, if the carpentry work you're doing is uh, restricted or repetitive, the NVQ process can take longer because the opportunity to meet all of the requirements of the required NVQ units will not be available to you. Uh, and then once you've... I don't know. I just don't... I don't get it. And then it's saying on another section, it says NVQs are a declaration of competence and as such cannot be achieved in a simulated environment like a training centre. All we can do here is prepare you for the process. And we do this very well. Mm. So I think what they're saying, and then it says at the end of the course, you will be, uh, they will register you as someone who is working towards achieving an NVQ level two in carpentry. <laughs> so by, and this course, this is another one, this is four grand uh, for this course. Wow. And it's a 10 week, uh, is it NVQ level two? I'm not sure. Yeah, 10 week, City and Guilds, NVQ level two uh, in carpentry and joinery. And it's £4,000. And at the end of the course, they will register you as someone who is working towards achieving an NVQ level two. So what do you need to do to achieve it then? So I just, I don't get it. I, I know that you've got to do an apprenticeship afterwards, but I can't find anything that tells you how long that apprenticeship has to be and what you have to do. I mean, could it literally be that you're going to make cups of tea on a building site for five years? Yeah. And then you get a tick in the box to say you've done the apprenticeship. I mean, surely that's going to be so varied depending on your employer. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Robert, Robert, we, who we, we, uh, who's who we quoted earlier on, uh, did say that he now runs his own sort of journey, journey business. And, uh, uh, he spent his, his time, uh, making roofs and doors and windows and, uh, you know, all kinds of, of site joinery. So, uh, very interesting, but not actually what he does now. Yeah. Cause it's going to be a hundred percent dependent on the, jo on the company that you happen to get the apprenticeship with. Yes. And I'm assuming you can't be too picky about that because you get, at, I would, I'd imagine not. Yeah. At the point that you leave college, you're going to have like billions of people applying for apprenticeships at the same time. So you're going to have to pretty much take what you're given, I'm, ass I'm assuming. And I would assume so. Or you hang around and, and wait until not everyone's applying for an apprenticeship at the same time. But the, the, I'm assuming that like other college courses, they all end around June and then you're going to have this like glut of people applying for apprenticeships and then... I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if they actually because they're private courses. If you like, I don't. I'm not sure they work to an academic year like that. I I just don't know to be honest. Oh yeah, no. If if you do obviously like the fast track ones, like the ten week courses and stuff, then you you. But then you've got got to pay a lot more for it. But if you just go to a normal college, like if I went to Newcastle College for example yeah. and said I want to do um, a joinery qualification. I'm assuming I would just go on a normal September intake for okay for the courses. I, d I might be wrong, but that's yeah, my I, assumption. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we did hear also from from Jim. Uh, I know Jim actually. He's um, I know him through uh, the uh, Facebook group uh, Woodworking UK. Uh, he's quite active on there, and uh, he said he's he's actually in his mid forties. 
and he's just recently gone back to college full-time as a mature student. He says he's uh, oldest by at least 25 years on the course. It's a level two sitting guilds bench joinery course, but he's the only one doing bench joinery. The others are all doing site joinery. And he did say what, what we were saying in the episodes were 15 and 16 were quite correct. He's full-time and has to attend six hours on a Monday and Tuesday and two hours Thursday and Friday mornings. So 16 hours in total per week is full-time. Uh, and he says he generally only goes Mondays and Tuesdays so he can work on the rest of the week trying to build up his new business. Uh, 12 students in his group, all around 19, but joined by two other classes of younger students. So potentially 36 young adults in a relatively small space. And it's fairly chaotic. It sounds like the the lecturer, two lecturers and sometimes a technician, are more like referees than actual uh, actually teaching anything. But this is the thing, and I would love to know from Jim, because Jim will be able to tell us this. Does he still have to do an apprenticeship at the end of this? Does he have to go and do work on site for a company? Because from everything I'm reading about NVQs, as I say, NVQs are a declaration of competence and as such cannot be achieved in a simulated environment like a training centre. So my understanding is the final tick in the box for getting that NVQ is to work for a company. To work as, as a principal for a company, yeah. And that's the bit that yeah. I don't get. And then I'm on another website here that says, how long do apprenticeships last? Uh, an intermediate level two apprenticeship usually takes 12 to 18 months. So how come there's other people here saying that they take five years or four years or two years? Either way, none of them add up to what is on no. And this is on another, well, it's another random website selling joinery apprenticeships. So I, d- I don't get it. There must be people out there who can, and maybe there is just no black and white answer to this. But yeah, maybe, well, maybe Jim can get back to us and, and perhaps clarify that. And obviously, if you do want to get a hold of us, then the uh, the email address to reach us on is uh, contact at measuringuppodcast.com. Um, Jim does go on to say that uh, all he has to do for the course is to build a small door and staircase using hand-cut joints because that'll come in handy. Uh, the only the only theory lessons that he needs to complete are in health and safety and building theory, both of which he says are very basic. There's nothing on marketing, technology, SketchUp or similar, uh, and no help on how to start out on your own, as most will go on to apprenticeships or work for small firms. That's interesting. Uh, so yes, it does sound like the the apprenticeship is, is in addition to doing 12 months to get your level two apprenticeship. Uh, NVQ, sitting girls. I mean, the fact that they're not even teaching basic basic SketchUp skills, or, or uh, I mean, it should be Fusion 360 or, or something like that. SketchUp or Fusion 360, they should at least be touching on it. I mean, they don't have to go into mm. it in detail. Well, the, the reason but, for that is almost certainly that the, the, the college lecturers don't know how. Yeah. Um, but You know, you, you get taught what they know. Hopefully, it's, it's a tool of the trade. <laughs> and you don't get taught what, what they don't know. Much, much like the reason we, you know, learn French in school is because that's what they could teach. That's, it's, it's, it's because they didn't have German or you know Chinese teachers. Utterly perplexing. It is. I'm, I'm no further forward now. So we are now three episodes into talking about this, and I am no further forward. So if anything, I'm more confused than yeah. when 
we first started talking about yeah. it. Well, I, I, Jim goes on to say that the reason he decided to do this is because he wanted to fill the gaps in his self-taught learning via enthusiastic DIY and, uh, and, and YouTube channels like ours, but mainly for the confidence in building up his own abilities. It says without a, a generous voluntary redundancy package from where he was previously, uh, he wouldn't have been able to pay for the course uh, and to support himself during it, uh, he does say the course costs fourteen hundred pounds for the year, so it's not something a lot of people could just go out and and pay for. When you factor in the loss of income for a year as well, uh, he says he's learned as much, if not more, by self teaching and following the likes of ourselves on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, uh, interesting. It really sounds to me like the whole system needs a giant shake up. It sounds very much like it's been running in the same way for the last 50 years and no one's thought to change it. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, I, had a, I had a young girl, young woman, knock on my door the other day because somebody, she was doing some casual work in one of the other offices. Uh, and she says she's a qualified bench joiner looking for work. So and somebody had mentioned that I did woodworky type stuff. She came down and seemed sort of crestfallen by the fact that there were, you know, how, how small the workshop was and uh, 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 and the fact that I didn't do any any hand tool work. You know, the sort of stuff I do is all wood machinery, let's be let's be blunt. It's uh, it's domino joints and stuff made out of MDF. Uh, and we had a bit of chat back and forth. And I, I don't know, I, I, I shot her the, the links to the podcast episodes that, where we talked about this. But the thing she said, she... She did a six-month joinery apprenticeship and, and I'm quoting here, knows all the joints. So there we are. That's, that's confidence building, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I'd like to have a chat with her a bit in, in a bit more detail and, and maybe we can get her on to give us a, at some future point to give us a bit more detail on, on the sort of thing that she did and the sort of thing that she expects to do. But having done six months as a, a six-month course as a bench joiner, uh, I'm not sure what you come away with in terms of uh, trying to find work afterwards. And whether or not you can make those sort of joints in a commercial environment as well, because if you've been doing those joints and you only know how to do them by hand, well, that... that you're in for a you're sharp... You're in, in for a big uh, shock. Short, <laughs> sharp shock, yeah. Because if you try and do a project where you're going to be hand-cutting all of your, mm. your joints... Go on, tell me, when, when was the last time you hand-cut a mortise and tenon? Or a dovetail? Uh, well, it would have been on a project for a, a present for my wife, which is going to be a video on my channel at some point. Woo-hoo. It's been sitting there. At it's some been point. waiting to get edited for <laughs> best part of s- s- seven or eight months. So she does actually have the have the gift now, you know? Yes, you're not, she, she, you're not making she has a wait. it. No, I should have done. But <laughs> I've got your Christmas present, but it's going to be next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I thought on that it would be nice. Oh, but even then, not all of it's hand cut. The the ones that I could easily do, uh, like, you know, shoulder cuts on tenons and stuff like that, yeah. that I can easily do on the te- uh, table saw with a jig and stuff. There, there's no point in doing it by hand. Why would you? But, you know, when I can do a more accurate and cleaner and much, 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 much faster joint on the table saw it's just like why why would you and uh but yeah and the only reason i did that is because it to do the odd joint by hand looks good on camera and it makes it a bit more interesting than just constantly running bits of wood through a table saw yeah um so i did the odd bit of like um knocking out uh 
mortises for through tenons and things. And I did the odd bit of knocking those out by, by hand. So you'll see my really poor hand joinery skills and what happens when I'm put behind a chisel. At, at some future, at some future, at, some time, future yeah. time. I really, you know what it is? I've, I've got a handful of videos that have been sitting there for, one of them's been sitting there for nearly two years and I still haven't got round to editing it. And it's, it always just falls to the bottom of the queue. Is it time sensitive at all or is it? Uh... No. And, and that's why, because they're not time sensitive in any way. So, mm. uh, I mean, they will become time sensitive if, Chisels go obsolete by the time I get round to editing this video. Self-sharpening chisels, that's what we Yeah. Mean. So, but other than that, um, I've had projects where I've had to do um, half-blind bridle joints on projects for customers, but they've all been done. I mean, if you, you know, if, if you've got to make 100 half-blind bridle joints, you can't be doing that by... And it's going to take you. For, how how long is it going to take you to do one joint accurately? Uh, and then I wouldn't I wouldn't start from here. No, yeah, <laughs> no, no. So no, well, again, it's not part of our. Uh, obviously, there are there are people who do do that. Uh, a friend of the show, Joey Chalk, King Ghost Timberworks, uh, does those fairly routinely on on the some of the nicer sort of walnut dresses and things that he makes. Uh, but I, I don't know how much of his routine business. Uh, that is a significant part of. Um, I, I, I can honestly say I haven't hand-cut a dovetail since I was at school, and I think I might have, well, I certainly haven't, haven't hand-cut a mortise and tenon since I bought the Domino. Yeah, it's just, kind of, um, in a commercial environment, it's just pointless. It's a, it's a different game, yeah. It's not, why, why would you put, you know, hand-cut mortise and tenons in an MDF? Why, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, commercial world of joineries, very, very different to mm. hand-cut joints and all that sort of thing. I mean, I would love to think that at college you're getting shown how to use dovetailing jigs. Uh, yeah, don't know. Maybe, don't maybe know. that's a thing. Um, I mean, I've never used a dovetailing jig. I don't own one. No, me neither. That would be an interesting thing to know how to do because that could genuinely be very useful on projects. Um, mm. But, yeah. But it's one of those things where if you're getting called... And maybe I would like eventually to progress to doing that sort of work. You know, your your finer uh, joinery projects and uh, the sort of thing that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, projects that you can sell for a lot of money. Mm. That, I don't know. I suppose we've got a bit of an advantage from the fact that we do the YouTube and, and the podcast and all that sort of thing. Yep. But maybe maybe people will just get nervous if we made something out of oak not MDF, be like, well, you obviously don't know what you're doing with this. There's, n there's not a single video about it on your yeah, YouTube. <laughs> True. Yeah, interesting. So you had a good video out uh, in the week uh, where you talked a little bit about pricing and stuff. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I quite enjoyed making that video. That, that's been one of the, this is another video that it's knocked everything else off the schedule. Someone happened to drop me a tweet um, saying, would I recommend setting up a handyman business at the minute? And how do you know how much to charge? Mm. And I, I replied to them on Twitter. <laughs> the answer is don't ask us. Yeah. yeah. And, and I replied to them on Twitter. And as I was kind of putting the reply together, I realised this would make quite an interesting video. And it is something I've kind of considered 
mating before, but I think this just kind of brought it fresh to the front of my mind. The video ended up being over half an hour long, so I've had to split it into two halves, and mm. the, the second half will be out by now, but it, in our time, it doesn't come out till this Saturday. Uh, and the first part, I've had a bit of a chat about saying, yes, I think it's a great time because I constantly get asked still to do handyman-type yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, you need to make sure you're not undercharging. And at the end of the day, no one's going to tell you what you should charge. And yeah, I, I think that works against this country in a lot of ways. We we seem to be very uh, protective over how much we charge people and things. And I don't think that's mm. a, leads to a positive situation because I think that's why you end up in a situation where you've got fly-by-night people going in at charging uh, you know, £100 a day, £50, you know, stuff that you can't yeah. possibly make a living off. But then on the flip side, you've got people going out and charging crazy amounts of money because they can get away with it because the market mm. is in that kind of state where no one knows what you should be charging, yeah, including the people doing the work and the people paying for the work to be done. Yeah. No one has a, a lot, clue what yeah. what what Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've got a lot of pushback when I think we mentioned this last time. I just done my tools for shelves where I tried to get the price of the tools out out of a commercial job and that set of shelves were I charged seven hundred and forty five pounds for it. And I was castigated uh in the comments by a number of people. In fact I've got the there's a sort of a follow-on from that today where I go through in, in a video that is out today but will have been out a couple of weeks ago uh, in real time uh, where I take another uh, commercial, you know, one of those MDF tables that I make and I go through it uh, and it was just as I was tidying up, I thought, oh, actually, this would this is interesting because I had all the tools just dumped on the bench that I'd used for this. Let's go through them and see what they cost. And it was thousands and thousands of pounds worth of tools used to make a table that was only going to bring in uh, a fraction of that in terms of, of revenue. So uh, people going out charging 100 quid a day or whatever else are just not being realistic. I mean, just for balance, I'm going out next week with my wife and my daughter to uh, a live music show, and the tickets are, I think it was 70 quid a piece. Maybe, may, it might have been 100. I, I'm not actually sure I paid for it a while back. Uh, that's what it costs to go out and see a live show. That's one performance. <laughs> and we're, you know, we're way up in the gods looking down on the stage from above, you know. Um, uh, we had a quick look earlier on. Me and my wife both quite like Muse as a band. Uh, they're, they're playing next year, so May 2019, at uh, London Arena. Uh, and again, if you want tickets way, way up high with a partial view of the stage, they're 100 quid each. If, you're not, if you want down, not in the mosh pit, but down, you know, with a good view... They start at thirteen hundred quid. Now, you know, put put your alcove unit in perspective for a second. <laughs> That's something that you're going to make and build and fit, and is going to last a hell of a lot longer than one evening's performance. Um, yeah, we we seem to be in a an odd situation as well as carpenters and cabinet makers, where we seem to want to compete with each other 
to see who can do the cheapest price. We've mentioned it before. I know uh, the old Screwfix forums. Uh, Screwfix is a UK retailer, and they had a, a forum before we had stuff like Twitter and uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and whatever. And guys on there would, would constantly try and out-compete each other to see who could work cheaper. We had guys on there who were claiming they could hang a door for 15 quid and were proud of that. But what? Why? Why would you be proud of that? That seems like madness. And this is kind of a, a reason that I touched on on the end of the first video. The whole um, work out a plan for what is a sustained rate of work. Because I think you've got a lot of youngsters who are coming straight from college and they're going straight on the sites and they're seeing people, you know, and they're, they're working ridiculously quickly mm. um, because they're getting pushed to do so, especially on bigger building sites where they're, they're getting paid, you know, per job. Yeah, piecework. Um, yeah, and, yeah and, and they're getting pressurised from the companies that they're working for to get the job done. I mean, I was watching a, quite an interesting video. I might include a link to it. Uh, on dry lining and dot and dab dry lining. Uh, it's, a, it's a company that does dry lining and they happen to put a video up on YouTube of them dry lining a room. They had, I mean, how long would that take you to dry, dry line uh, a room, you know, with, with dot and dab, including getting all... Dot and dab, I've done it and it's, yeah, it takes me a Dot and dab, I quite enjoyed actually. It's quite good fun, but... Uh getting a length of four by two and sort of whacking that sheet of, uh, of drywall of plasterboarding. Is to I mean, for the, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not fast. <laughs> for for not. the best will in the world, if I was to have a stab at that and it would be a right mess, it would take us a couple of days. Yeah. I would have thought to, to dry line a room, this guy and the, the video is it's had like 2.3 million views. It's obviously gone viral. None of the other videos have had this many views, but as I say, I'll include a link to it. And this guy dry lines a room in, in an hour. Gee, where's, and it, I mean, the video is obviously cut and it's only like a 30 minute video or something, but it's not cut that much. Wow. And you, it's like, wow. And, and to be fair, he seems to do a pretty good job. It, it, he's actually using a square. He's actually using a level. And uh, it, it, it looks like a, a good job. And, and it's like, wow. But you can't keep that rate of production up. For your whole life because you are going to slow yeah. down yes you made some very good points in your, in your video and i'll just recap a couple of them one was the distinction between a handyman and an odd job man that distinction down here is is lost by and large people don't understand that uh, a handyman being a multi-skilled person so you can do a little bit of everything uh to a decent standard uh whereas an odd job man is somebody you call to do garden clearances of you know, maybe put a new door handle on or, or whatever else. Um, a, a very, very important distinction. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, uh, you mentioned about costing and pricing. You know, if you've got uh, 20,000, if you want to earn 30,000 pounds a year and it's not a lot uh, and your overheads are 20,000, well, that's 50 grand a year. You've got to find that's 200 pounds a day for every working day of the week, and you're not going to work every day of the week. You're not. Uh, if you're working, let's say you can get four billable days in a week, and that's a lot, to be honest. I, I work on less than that. I, I uh, project, I forecast on less than that. Uh, then then suddenly you've got to be charging 250 quid a day. 
that's that's a realistic set of figures. Um, easy to be a busy fool, I think. Uh, you, you also mentioned as well the the, the mums net type forums and whatever, and I, I, I that really struck a chord with me because I'm on this uh, you know next door sort of round robin email list sort of group thing, and there was, I, I actually stuck this on Twitter earlier in the year. It was a it was a post from somebody looking for a handyman. Handyman, looking for a competent handyman. Please, no builders, I can't afford you. Sad face. Uh, here we go. Painting, tiling, wood filling. Fit new sink and unit. Replace some laminate flooring and some little bits and bobs. All needed. Done, uh, all needing done before November. And this was posted in uh, September sometime. So, a couple of months. Uh, references would be helpful too. <laughs> <laughs> Now you want that for the less than the price of a builder, uh, you know. As I as I put on Twitter and the moon and a stick as well. While you're at it, I get so wound up by uh, these sort of posts that, that people put out there. And and the one that I mentioned on the video, and I'd only found it by chance. It, I didn't, you know, that was kind of top of the list of Google searches, and it was the first one I clicked on for handyman rates. Uh, and uh, sorry, handyman carpenter rates or whatever. I can't remember what I searched for, but it w- I didn't do any digging to find that. And it was straight away into that. A carpenter's charged X amount and it's far too expensive. Can I get a handyman to do all this at like a quarter of the price? Yeah. And, and the, the carpenter had quoted 140 pounds a day, which I think staggeringly cheap. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Oh, well, got to find someone who will undercut them. And so uh, are you absolute? But they were buying all this like solid oak um, bifold doors and you know stuff that's not cheap. Yeah. And <laughs> and then they were pleading like how little money they had and oh. pleading poverty. Oh, I'm I'm so short of money. I I don't earn much. And- I would still love someone charging a hundred pounds a day. If if you charge a hundred pounds a day and you're listening to this show. Please send us a note to tell us what your take-home uh, wages in a year. Yeah, we'd love to know. Uh, no, no names mentioned. You know, completely anonymous. Please tell us if you're charging a hundred pounds a day or less, and you're not employed by a company and you're not a subcontractor. So you're running your own business, and you're charging less than a hundred pounds a day. I mean, how would you even do that? Hundred quid a day, two thousand pounds a month, twenty-four thousand pounds a year. Let's say you. You could only be doing that by using the family car, working from home completely with a, a bag of tools in the boot and a workmate. If you say, what was it, £100 a day? So let's be really optimistic and say you work, you do work five days a week, which you won't. But let's say you do uh, five days a week. So that's 500 a week and you're doing, say, 48 weeks a year. As you say, 24 grand a year. And that's your... That's not your take-home wage. No, that's gross. You, you then have to pay for the whole running of the business out of that. And for the best will in the world, you will not work five days a week. It's not not possible. So let's say you work four days a week. So you're going to be working um, 80% of that. It's 0.8, so 19.2, and then knock off all your... You're going to be lucky if you're bringing in 15 grand a year. Lucky. Um, in which case, 
that's pretty much what you'd make working full-time at McDonald's, I think. Uh, I think you might be shocked at how little I earn at McDonald's, but uh, it's... Well, I looked and um, for over 21, I think, it's about £8.50 an hour. So £8.50 an hour would be uh, about 16 grand a year. So either way, you, you cannot be bringing in more than... The only way that you would be bringing in significantly more than 15 grand a year is if you're working like 60 hour weeks. And yeah, in which case that's going to kill you. you know, it's going to kill you. Yeah, you it's not sustainable. That. So, but happy to be proven wrong. But mm. I, I'd, I'd yeah, love absolutely. to know what is your pre tax profit, your yearly pre tax profit that you're putting on your tax return if you. Uh, Charge less than £100 a day. Yeah. Please tell us. Please prove us wrong. Please do. Uh, fascinating. So, yeah, we've got the uh, second part of that video coming out uh, on Saturday where I'm touching on a few jobs that I get asked to do all the time or I get asked, do I know anyone who does X, Y, Z? And, uh, yeah, that, that'll be quite an interesting one because there's – Jobs out there now that aren't no one's doing, and as a result, you could probably go out there and charge whatever you like because um, the, there's no market to compare it against. Yeah, I was I was curious about what uh, what you were going to come up with. That I thought what part of part of it might have been. Well, you could start a YouTube channel. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not if you want to make money. I mean, one of them is. Uh, Render maintenance on houses. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every new build is getting built with white rendered walls and um, and it looks really nice for the first few years. And then after, after a few more years, it starts to turn green. And uh, there's loads of houses around where, where I live that the render now looks horrific and it needs to be properly cleaned and it needs to be properly repainted. And right. You know, you could set up a company just doing maintenance of render. And I'm sure there are companies out there doing it, but I, I haven't seen any advertising around where uh, where I live. And we are in a prime spot for it, mm. you know. And uh, you could go out there and charge, you know, say 400 quid a house, 500 quid a house. And if you could get that done in, in a day, yeah, you're probably looking easy, 300 quid a day profit that you could make off that i would have said if you get all the materials and scaffolding and stuff like that and anyway that's mm, a, interesting that, that's one of them yeah um but i'll not i'll not spoil the surprise for you for saturday <laughs> <laughs> no please what don't did we get on the handyman's side oh yeah that was a and i got a note from someone saying about like pricing and, and people pricing to the extreme side of things uh, and someone was quoted to have a new boiler fitted, and the plumber came round and said, "Well, the fitting cost will be a thousand pounds." Which I thought, well, fair enough. If I'm getting a new boiler fitted, I don't mind spending a thousand pounds. And his next sentence was, "It'll take about six hours." Okay, good money. So, people saying that you should only charge a hundred pounds a day, and I know. Fitting boilers is is highly skilled, and you need to be certified and all that sort of thing. But they're charging one hundred and sixty pound an hour. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, do the math. 
Anyway, it it's it is an interesting topic. I'm sure it'll come up time and time again. But uh, lots of I mean, the nice thing is is that ninety nine percent of the comments to my video because again, it was one of those videos that it, the comments could have gone either way. Yeah, uh, and ninety nine percent of the comments, even from time served craftsmen, have said I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. There's the odd person saying, "Oh no, you could never charge that," but ninety nine percent are saying, uh, every, "Yeah." You always get people saying, "Well, you can't charge that round here," you know, regardless of what you're you're actually asking. The the people will always say that. I had again on the the videos where I've talked about this. I had a couple of guys, uh, one from. New Zealand, one from Australia, who are now over here and working, and they've said exactly the same thing that that you know the the, the rates are too low. Uh, when there's a skills shortage, we should be putting prices up, not trying to compete to see who can do it cheapest. And now is the time to do that. Now is the time to do now, that. Now, now this is it. You know, if if you've ever been waiting for a time to put your prices up, yep. This is it. We're in that time. There's a massive skill shortage at the minute. Yeah. Just because you can't find work and maybe that's a business model thing and you need to look into how you're marketing yourself or presenting yourself or whatever. I can't explain that. That's that's too detailed to go into uh, it in the podcast because there's so many little factors that can have, a, have an influence on why work's not coming through the door. Yes. But... On the whole, uh, as I say, I'm not advertising at all, and I've now put a thing on my website saying, please don't get in touch, (laughs) because it was getting to the point where I just don't have time to reply to people, Mm. and I didn't want people sending replies and then me getting a bad name for not getting back to them. So now I've changed it, so it more or less says, I'm booked up for the whole of next year. Um, If you want to send me a note, feel free to send us a note, and... If something happens, you know, I get a cancellation or something, then I'll I'll try and fit you in. Yeah. But please don't expect a response. And I'm still getting two or three messages a day from people just saying, I know you can't get back to us, but can you add us onto the list? And that, and I'm not advertising anywhere. Uh, so Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Go figure. Um, I, I had a guy email me the other day to see if I could do – he's just moved to London from somewhere – and he's got sort of uh, something that was a little piece of a table was lost in a move. And do I think, could I could I make another one for him? He said, well, that's not really, not really what I do. Oh, he's got a family heirloom plant tray that's got a broken corner that needs re-gluing back on. I said, well, look, it's not really what I do. But, you know, if you're local, uh, I'm happy to have a quick look at it and see if it's something I can help you out with. I thought, you know, somebody just moved to the, to the country. Maybe uh, to the city, maybe he wants, you know, other work doing, maybe in like some nice fitted bookshelves or whatever else. Uh, oh, yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm in Bayswater. Well, Bayswater is about an hour away. So, you know, that's stretching the notion of local uh, for me. Uh, I, I was thinking, well, if you're, you know, the other side of the park or something or a couple of streets away, I'll consider it. Uh, and, of course, I said, you know, this. I got this email in. I was away last weekend uh, visiting family. And I uh, got this in while I was in the car. My wife was driving, so I just shot him a quick note back. So, yeah, I'm away now. I'll get back to you next week. Uh, and he started chasing me on Wednesday. Oh, do you think you're going to be able to do this? <clears throat> now, the guy obviously needs it doing, which is fair enough. But I just had to go back to him yesterday and say, look, no, I'm sorry. You know, that, that's, that doesn't constitute local, <laughs> I'm afraid. 
<laughs> best of luck uh hope you can get it sorted but it, as i said in the in the first instance it's really not for me uh there you go you gotta you gotta disappoint some people sometimes you're never going to be able to keep everybody happy but this is where the industry's ended up though isn't it because people have been charging so little for so long so many good tradespeople have gone out of business or they've gone off to just work contracting or subcontracting where they can make substantially more money and not have to worry about being the person doing the quotes and running the business and everything else. You know, you're just given, given the work on a plate effectively. And it's like, well, why bother? And this is a situation we've ended up in where no one can find anyone to do the work now. And as I say, I do partially blame it on these ridiculous Mumsnet articles that come around because people read those and think uh, anyone who charges more than £100 a day is trying to rip them off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I'm only on £6.50 an hour, so therefore everyone else should only be on £6.50 an hour. Uh, and, well, maybe eight, maybe £8.50 if you're working at McDonald's. Let's be, let's be yes, clear. Yes, yeah. true. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I know. It, it is a, a crazy sort of situation, really. Um, the, the thing that's come up, periodically with me is that you get somebody who says well my son-in-law is a does does woodwork and he says it shouldn't cost more than 75 pounds to which you can only say well tell your son-in-law he's got the job because i'm not doing it for that you know but that's and that's fine if you're working as a subcontractor and if you're working on a building site or something where and i don't even then i think you probably get a lot more than that but like a day but if you're not having to go out and do the business side of things. The business side of things takes an enormous amount of time, and I think this is what people just don't understand. You yeah. know that I think I think the son-in-law in, in this scenario is somebody who mangles a bit of conti board in the garage uh, of a weekend, right? Uh, rather than somebody who is actually in the in the business in the trade. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, that's a glorified paid hobby, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I, I don't even think he was paid, but yeah, yeah, yeah he probably <laughs> probably sells copper futures or something and does you know. Uh, uh, does this for fun it's it's funny it's interesting but mm, we just need to do like a select all and delete on every mum's net post on the internet <laughs> that, that would solve a lot of problems <laughs> while we're talking about things that are awesome let me tell you about this week's sponsor this week's episode is sponsored once again by ooze nest uh, you know ooze nest i use their v-slot 2040 aluminium extrusion in a recent video and Usenest can supply from stock a wide range of shapes and sizes all precision cut to your needs. Usenest also has a huge stock of connectors and bearings, bolts and screws, mounts and brackets, shims and spacers, all the handy dandy little bits and pieces that you might need for your next project. Now with all this hardware to hand you won't be shocked to learn that Usenest are also deeply involved in CNC machining. They can supply you with anything from a handful of parts to a full CNC kit with everything you need to get up and running. So if you've had your CNC interest tickled by all those YouTube videos but are finding the process of discovering exactly what you need all a bit opaque, well, with a desktop kit starting at a lot less than you might think, you should definitely be paying Oosnest a visit. Oosnest is a young British company that ships worldwide and if you order before 1pm, you'll have same-day dispatch from stock items. Better still, when you use the offer code MEASUREUP, or one word, MEASUREUP, at checkout, you'll receive a 5% discount off your first order. A 5% discount and same-day dispatch, what's not to like? Pay Oosnest a visit at oosnest.co.uk, or use the links in the show notes or on our website. And we'd like to thank Oosnest for their support of this show. What else are we chatting about today? 
Uh, I wanted to, just to bring up November. Um, this is a thing uh, that's been started by uh, a guy on Twitter. Uh, I think it's PB Plumber. He's a plumber. Uh, there's a bit of a epidemic of thefts of tools from vans. And this guy's got a petition together to try and get it raised in Parliament, assuming we have a Parliament <laughs> when the petition comes through. Uh, we've got until, I think it's May of next year, uh, you've got to get 100,000 signatures on it. I think it's got 28,000 at the minute. Um, and it's really, uh, once you get 100,000 signatures on a petition, it has to be debated in Parliament. It has to be brought to, to Parliament's attention. And I think it was something that's probably worth supporting. I, I've never had my van hit. Have you? Uh, not 20 years ago, but not not recently, no. Luckily, luckily, uh, no. Uh, but but this, And again, everybody, listen. many people, I'm sure, listening to this are saying, well, you should empty your van every night. Well, I do that too, and I'm sure you do as well. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about guys who go to a job, to a work site, get what they need out of the van to do the job, and they're getting their vans hit while they're inside. Um, this is this is a bit of an epidemic, and even even uh, guys on there's a there's a a TV show on British TV called DIY SOS. One of the guys who was working on that got his van done with all all everything that was going on. He got his tools nicked. Uh, I've heard of some horrific things happening, like people hanging around the car parks of your. Builders, merchants, and and DIY stores literally waiting on people with vans to just go into the store and yeah. then. Well, I, I've I've actually seen the opposite of that. Uh, I don't go there very often, but there's a, a Wix store, which is a bit like a Lowe's or a Home Depot type place uh, here in Britain, and uh, pretty much every week there's a van parked in one corner with a bunch of dodgy looking blokes flogging tools for cash out the back of it. Mm. And I've I've reported this. I've called the police and said, look, this is happening. And they said, how do you know there's a crime being committed? <laughs> I said, well, I don't, but don't you think, you know, you should have a car around here, go and give them a tug and see what, you know, I bet the van isn't taxed for starters. Uh, 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 and they, well, if we've got somebody in the area, we'll see if we can send somebody by. Uh, you know, they're only there for a couple of hours on a Wednesday morning or whatever else. Um, uh, uh, but total disinterest. And one of the big problems is that when, uh, if by some strange chance, these guys do get caught, they're getting fined 50, 60 quid and a slap on the wrist. It's it's no deterrent at all. So if you can support this it's probably a great thing there's a link in the show notes to the petition to tackle tool theft because stealing somebody's tools is pretty much the lowest form of theft you're not just nicking something that somebody owns you're stealing something that somebody uses to make their living from it's the lowest of the low absolute lowest of the low uh, yeah you're in yeah 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 maybe you're insured and all that but you've still got to deal with all that you're going to lose your excess. You're going to deal with getting your van repaired. 
you won't get the full price of the tools back because those nice people at insurance companies will try and wriggle off the hook using any means they possibly can. So uh, try and get on board with this. I've signed the petition. I'd encourage everybody else to do that as well. It's called novamba.com. Uh, if you go to that link, uh, there's there's a link to the petition that you can sign and we'll put a direct link to the uh, petition that you can sign uh, down in the uh I was going to say the video description now in the in the show notes uh, of this week's episode. Definitely get that done. And the other side as well is that when something like that happens, it's the amount of time that you're offline and you can't do any work. Yeah, because you haven't to sort the mess out, and you know you it it could be a week or two weeks that you know you you. That vehicle might be away in in, in the garage, or, yeah, or absolutely, and, and especially you know, especially mobile workers. And this is one of the reasons, probably my top reason, why I'm not set up for mobile working is that I would be so nervous about having. Yeah. I've seen some of the setups that people have in their vans, and it's amazing. I mean, literally like a portable workshop with it, 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 full racks of shelving and parts yeah. and tools and. Uh, track saw storage yep, and, and all that yep. mft yeah, even and, table saws yeah. and stuff as well you know absolutely and i would epic. i would not be able to sleep at night with the way things are at the moment with this van theft epidemic that seems to be going on i think it's absolutely shocking and hopefully the november thing will go some way to getting this problem sorted out because it's absolutely well it's just as you say, it's the lowest of the low, yeah. isn't it? It's not completely out of control, but but it does seem to be a particular problem. Uh, is it an epidemic? I don't know, but it, you know, it, it's happening an awful lot to an awful lot of people. And uh, let's try and get it get get some actual deterrence in place uh, to see if we can get this stopped. Yeah. So if you can sign the petition, costs you nothing. All it takes is a couple of minutes of your time. So uh, follow the links uh, in the video description uh, and add your name to the 28,000 people who've already done this. And we'll see if we can get 100,000 people on this list by next year so we can get it uh, debated in Parliament. If we have a Parliament. Uh, if indeed we have a Parliament, yes. Do, do we want to talk about... Uh, if we're not a news show. That's <laughs> a brief to topic for the so? show. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was thinking that maybe we should talk about it at some point, but it's such a giant topic we don't have to more just from a broad sense of what the hell is going on <laughs> when we when we set up the uh, the the podcast we had sort of broad topics that we wanted to stay away from we weren't going to talk specifically about our families we're not going to talk about religion we're not going to talk about politics um <laughs> we've 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 stayed away from most of those but yeah the, the, we are here in in britain in a a bit of flux, let's say. Jeez, honestly, it. I mean, I can't. I'm just sick of hearing about it now. I must admit, it's so. If if you don't live in the UK, in the UK, all we hear about on the news now for the last two and a half years or, or whatever it is, is Brexit. That that's mm. all that gets talked about, and it's to the point where. People just don't care anymore, and yeah, yeah. you know, it it it's such a shambles. It it's beyond belief. It is. We're recording this uh, the morning after a supposed uh, uh, agreement in principle has been reached with the EU to negotiate Britain's exit 
uh, out of the EU. And uh, overnight, uh, half a dozen ministers have, re- have resigned. Uh, the Prime Minister, Mrs May, was questioned extensively in Parliament uh, yesterday for hours uh, and very, uh, very aggressively. And... Uh, just I, I I don't get a newspaper but going through the newspaper headlines and looking at you know the the uh, foreign newspaper headlines. Apparently Britain is in disarray, and yet you know here we are. Everybody else is carrying on as normal uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, I mean, I just don't. I had someone reply in the comments to the the handyman video where I had said yes, I think it's a great time to set up in business because there's loads of work out there. And uh, someone replied saying, well, I wouldn't set up in business at the minute until Brexit is out the road. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but you're going to be retired before you, this gets sorted out. This isn't going to be sorted by March next year. No way. No way. It's an absolute mess. And and regardless of the, the state of, you know, the, the relationship between Britain and the EU uh, and, you know, other, the US, come to that, uh, people will... The people who live here will still need bits of furniture making. You know, they'll still need repairs doing. They will still need a bookcase or a set of shelves or an alcove unit or whatever it is. Those those needs don't go away. Life goes um, on. Life goes on. Thank you. Yes, those are the words I was struggling for. <laughs> Life goes on. And uh, would you care without... Um, kind of giving an indication of political <laughs> sway either way. Uh, would you care to take a guess of what you think's going to happen? Ah, uh, goodness me. Where, where where do you think we will be in six I've, months' time? I've honestly, I have got no idea. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we will have severed relationships with the EU. Whether that's with an agreement or without, I don't know. But I think whatever tenuous links we have currently, uh, I think will be will be gone. Um, whether that, I, I say whether that's with an agreement or not, I, I just don't know. Couldn't couldn't tell you. Wouldn't wouldn't want to guess. I don't think anything's going to happen. Do you know? That's my gut feeling at the minute. I, I, I don't see how they can fix the mess of where they've got to now. And may, may without giving any, whether you're pro May or against May, um, she's had the poison chalice of having to deal yeah, absolutely. with this. I, mean, uh, I don't think she'll make it through. Oh no, she's gone. She's history. She's 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 gone. And when she goes, there'll have to be a, a re-election, and then goodness knows what will happen from that. It wouldn't surprise us if there's another vote on the back of all that. Uh, and then how? Do, what? What question would you even ask in the vote? Mm. It it's so. I uh, I think they'll either just drag on. For years, or the whole thing will just get knocked on the head. That's my gut feeling at the minute, because it's turned into such a mess. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, I, I have no feelings either for for Mrs May, the Prime Minister. Uh, no feelings either way. Uh, uh, you know, I feel sorry for her. In that, I feel sorry for her. Yeah, she, on the other hand, she t- she took on yep. the, the poison chalice yep. of of Brexit, and 
you know, it was never going to be anything other than an unholy mess ever since Dave. <laughs> War Dave. Uh, Mr. Cameron resigned. Well, you know, he picked up his ball and went home when the vote didn't go his way. I'm not a fan of former Prime Minister Tony Blair, but give the guy his due. <laughs> he, he never asked the question until he, he did. He wouldn't ask the question until he was sure which way the vote was going to go. Uh, and Dave made a huge mistake, huge screw-up, um, asking that question when he did. Uh, and again, flouncing off with his ball to live in the Cotswolds in his, uh, in his little hut when he did as well. Apparently, he's... Uh, He's supposed to be making uh, a comeback. Really? Can can he go out in public? Uh, don't th- I? I don't think he could. I think he's a he's a goner as well. That that's. I didn't know he was trying to make some sort of comeback. Uh, so so I've read. Right. So I've read. There's uh, he's putting out feelers to see what how the land lies. I think uh, the land may may well be a minefield. Oh, I think he just needs to stay. Hidden away. I think uh, he's probably one of the most unpopular people in the country on both yeah. on both sides of the fence, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, well, it'll be interesting to look back. I think it's interesting to touch on stuff like this every now and again. Just Every now and then. I say, well, you know. Historic um, purposes, you know, because at some yes. point in six months' time, you're going to have people listening to this episode mm. for the first ever time. Yeah. And uh, it'll be... So interesting. If nothing else, people are a bit more attuned to politics than they have ever been, to the point of not wanting to know anything Any more about, about politics. It, yes. <laughs> uh, I think true. it's just confirmed people's disbelief in the the systems. And uh, anyway, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's a topic. There's a topic. There's a topic for another day uh, in another podcast, possibly. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be just. A, well, I don't even know. No, I, I can't can't even go there. It's <laughs> I don't know how they can fix it. I I just no. don't get it. I I don't understand what can be done. Uh, and I've I've seen arguments on like the Labour side, and I don't think any of those would particularly fix the problems either. Uh, I, I just I don't. I'm I'm generally the kind of person who I don't like to come up with. Uh, problem without also having an idea of what the solution would be. But in this case, I don't know what the solution would be. Out of interest, uh, I haven't seen, do you know, does anybody know what the actual agreement is? We've we've heard the, uh, we've heard that an agreement has been reached and everybody's talking about the fact that it's been reached, but I don't actually know what it is. Nobody's actually said, and, and this is the agreement. This is what we're, this is what we've hammered out so far. Not really, because it's this 500-odd page document that got submitted to Parliament. Yeah. Well, okay, so will, will somebody praise it for us then so we can have a, an inkling I mean, my rather only than all these clever politicians? understanding is that it keeps us in some weird customs union while not being in the EU, but I don't really understand the full extent of how that affects me. Uh, and doesn't sound like a very good thing so but uh, but it, it more more so because i don't understand what it means <laughs> I, I welcome to the club I understand what it means to be in a single customs union but i don't understand how you can be in a single customs union 
without having without also being part of the club, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it sounds like a really, really bad position to be in mm. from what I can understand. So, but that's, I, d- I don't understand it. So, <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't get it. I yeah. don't understand. Moving on, but in the same theme, have you ever broken or damaged anything valuable? On a customer side? <laughs> yes. Um, not, not a whole country or anything. Just not a yeah. whole country. Um, I don't think I have. I would. I need to get my thinking cap on there. I, I don't think I have. Have you? Uh, let me tell you my chandelier story. All oh, right. Oh. <laughs> it was an absolute classic fools and horses moment. Uh, it was. Uh, I used to do back in the handyman days when I was starting to transition, if you like, into doing a bit more sort of carpentry type stuff. Uh, through somebody I knew, I was recommended to this family. Uh, and they're kind of sort of part-time property developers, quite wealthy. They bought a house for a lot of money, spent half a mil on the refurb uh, in a fancy part of London. Uh, and there were just a few little bits and pieces that they needed to do, but they're, they're very particular. They're very, they know exactly what they want. Uh, and they had matching crystal chandeliers up in the bedrooms and I can't remember what I was doing. I don't know. They, they didn't want them taking down or they wanted, they wanted them taking down for cleaning. That was it. Um, and obviously it's over a bed and they had some other guys there do some painting and purely by chance they'd left a, a dust sheet over the bed. Uh, and I was up on a set of steps and I was just sort of, I was trying to figure out how the thing came down. And these are crystal, they're big, heavy things. And I could see what was happening, and I'd taken the rows off, and I'd removed that, pulled that down, and I was just looking at it, and the whole thing just sheared. It just snapped off. Timing was just... And it just went... And like, you know, you, one of those things where you you look at it and think, I should probably try and catch... No, I'm not going to try and catch that, because that'd take my arm off. It was a big piece. And it's a, it's a lovely big old house, you know, high ceilings and everything. And this... This thing went down with such a crash. It was just waiting for somebody to to move the the rows, basically, and then it would just went off. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, technically my fault, and yet, you know, the my impact of being there and, and fiddling with it definitely accelerated the uh, the fracture. But the little hooky thing that it was attached to just sheared, uh, just literally came apart on the whole, and it went down with such a crash and then there's that terrible sort of silence afterwards and you can hear from downstairs big house basement and I was right up at the top and you're going to hear sets of footsteps hurrying up all the way up the stairs are you alright? oh <laughs> yes. lordy bit of a problem I gather you were okay oh I was fine yeah 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 it, it didn't hit you, you on the way turn, down you know and what, what were the customer alright? did they understand oh, it wasn't I, I your said, fault? I said look I'm so sorry, but this piece just snapped and I could show them. Right, she said. Right, okay. Well, it's not there. So obviously, it's broken. What we'll do, we'll get onto the insurer straight away, she said. Wow. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. It's those times where you're just praying you've got an understanding customer and a reasonable Yeah, they were, they were fine about it, thankfully. And not someone um, who's going to instantly just start trying to play the blame game. and yeah. Yeah, that was one time when I thought, oh, I hope my public liability is up to date. 
yeah, but that, that's just about the only the only thing that's happened to me uh, in a customer's uh, in a customer's home. Uh, wow, I need to give it some thought. I'm sure there must be stuff. Uh, I need to, because I keep photographs of every job that I've done. I need to go through. I've probably blacked it out. If um, yeah, if it was a bad, one. if it was something really bad, I've probably like intentionally forgotten about it. I mean, there's plenty little things, but you know that's just part of the job. You know where you get frustrated and yeah, have a little break and you come back to it the next day and it's like oh, well, why didn't I just do this? You know, and but that's just par for the course. But. I, not on a customer site. I mean, uh, way, way, way back in the day on one of my own house renovations, I drilled through a gas pipe, uh, but that was relatively easy to sort out in the scheme of things. It didn't cause any problems. Um, emergency gas man turned up and fixed it, but it was a pipe in a completely uh, unsuspected place at the, at the edge of a floorboard, yep. yeah, not yeah. in the middle of a floorboard, and it was where a screw had been uh and basically uh, yeah put a new screw in the board and it went straight through the pipe i hadn't had the board up it was my own stupid fault naivety for not checking under the board first <laughs> and there was a reason why there wasn't a screw in that hole someone had put a back gas pipe under it yeah uh yes i i, I mean there's a as you say there's a there's a, a whole host of little things that have gone on over the years um i did put a put a drill through a, a heating pipe at one time um Heating's a nasty one. <laughs> they they leak. What do you know? Uh, do you follow Plumber Parts on YouTube at all? No, I haven't seen him. Plumber Parts, uh, James? Jim. James. Anyway, great channel, all about plumbing stuff. It's quite entertaining. And uh, he put up a video not that long ago about the worst ever disaster he had. I'll not tell you about it. I'll have to go and have a look. But it's heating related. And uh, we'll include a link in the show notes. And right. you, all you can do is listen and think, oh, no. And you hear each part of the story unfolding that's like, oh, no. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't get much worse than that. And, uh, yeah. yeah, anyway. Uh, how are you at losing and misplacing stuff and then finding it again? Uh, I heard that you yeah, I heard about your router pit. <laughs> It wasn't the one on our back garden then. No, it wasn't the one in your back garden. I, I lost a, a router grooving bit. Uh, I was all set to do my doors and I couldn't find the bit. It was just nowhere to be seen. It was in none of the usual places. And then I came to pick up a router in the week, this week, and blow me the, the grooving. I bought another one to do the doors and they're, you know, Wild and Tool do a great job, get it to you next day. And I did all that. And then I picked up a big handheld router to do something this week. And there was my grooving bit in the router. Now, I've never, ever used that handheld. I use a big 60 mil grooving bit, quarter inch depth, 60 mil wide. Uh, it's not the sort of bit you're going to swing handheld. Or if you did, you'd know about it. So I've never used it. I've no idea what it's doing. It was actually in the collet good and tight so it's obviously been put in with a spanner and i've just got no recollection of it at all it's funny i must have done it because nobody else has access to the workshop but i've just it's just a complete blank i mean sometimes when you're on autopilot and especially if i end up on the phone i'm i'm a wanderer when i'm on the phone oh oh yeah and i'll i'll be wandering around and i'll start pottering doing things while i'm chatting to people and 
I'll end up doing that's my worst possible time for when things get misplaced yeah. because I will yeah. do things completely subconsciously while just chatting away yeah. to people. The the worst the worst things for me is I've got a neighbour, Jonathan, who who is the unit next door but one to me is a, a precision engineer. He's made all kinds of handy little metalwork bits and pieces for me. In return, he can help himself to all the bits of scrap that I have lying around. He regularly knocks on my door, and when he does, I almost always have something in my hand that I put down to go and deal with him. <laughs> and it's somewhere. It's somewhere, but I don't know where I put it. I did. I was. He came in one time when I was cleaning well, after my grey coat died. I did the, all the spraying with a little HVLP sprayer, and I was just cleaning the nozzle, and I'd taken the end off to clean it up properly, and he knocked on my door. I put it down, and it was gone. And of course, I can't carry on spraying because that's the that's the one, the bit you need. So, where is it? You know, what 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 you know? And eventually, I found it under a piece of tissue that I happened to have in my hand while I was cleaning it. But it was, you know, for a, a good 15, 20 minutes, it was getting almost panicky because I needed to get on with this. I already had one sprayer go down. I couldn't afford to lose a crucial part of another one. Uh, and it turned up eventually, but, uh, yeah, my, so yes, my grooving bit has, has come back. So now I've got a spare, which is really good, but I need to make sure I know where they are. It'll be interesting. You'll have to <laughs> try and track back how that ended up in your router. That's... I, I just have no recollection of it because it's not, it, it was a router that was out, but it's not what I use for, with that bit. I've never used it with that bit. I don't know why I would put it there. Was it something where you thought... You've got a router table, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So was it something where you thought, oh, the router table's covered up, I'll do it by hand, and you've put it in, no, no, and, then no, you've, no. and then you've thought oh, and then you've thought against it? No, I've, I've, no, I would never do that. I'd never use it handheld. It's, it's just, and, it, and it's one of those things that would never leave the workshop. So I knew it was in there somewhere, but I had no idea why. And some, some fool had obviously <laughs> put it in a router <laughs> and tightened the collar up and then put the router down so you couldn't see it. <clears throat> of course, because it's a grooving bit, it's it's flat, and it was it was flushed up against the dust collection cover, so you wouldn't it wasn't immediately obvious. I wouldn't wouldn't normally That's see funny. it. Funny, I still think it's utterly bizarre that on the day that we were talking about this, our uh, poor hamster died a couple of weeks ago. Little co- little cookie, the hamster, mm. but he'd had a good innings. You know, he was the oldest hamster I've ever known of. Oh bless! And. Um, so obviously, you know, young daughter and uh, and son, and uh, we had to do the whole little funeral march, yeah, yeah, funeral and ceremonial burial in the back garden for for little Cookie, yeah, and uh, and I was digging the hole, and this was literally on the Friday afternoon after we'd recorded the podcast where you told me about this missing <laughs> route a bit. I'm digging the hole, and it's that's a grooving bit out of a route <laughs> was in. The, in the, your garden, that in the bizarre. garden, in no, the, definitely not in mine, Cookie's but, uh, grave. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very precise grave. Then, if you're using it with a, cutting it with a router, and uh, so very bizarre, <laughs> and and that looks like it's been underground for you know a long, long time. And uh, you'll see, time, there's a yeah. picture of it on my Instagram. Yeah, and, uh, but uh, yeah, it was on the afternoon that we just chatted about it. I was like, what's the chances? Anyway. 
we best wrap it up. We've been chatting for ages. I think we've better had. We've been wrapping on for quite long enough. Uh, talking of Instagram, uh, I'm on Instagram at 10 Minute Workshop. What's your uh, handle on Instagram, Andy? At Gosforth Handyman on Instagram and at Gosforth Andy on Twitter. I'm at 10 Minute Shop on Twitter. Those are both good ways of getting hold of us uh, individually. Uh, we do, of course, have a uh, show Twitter and uh, show Instagram. It's at measuring up PC on uh, on Twitter and at measuring up podcast on Instagram. Uh, of course, you can also email us at the show here, uh, contact at measuringuppodcast.com. And I'm going to add a contact form onto the measuring up podcast website. So, because I know a lot of people forget what the email address is. Uh, so if you just go to measuringpodcast.com, uh, hopefully by the time this show's out, there'll be a little contact button and you can just fill in the form on there if you want to get in touch and then you don't have to remember the email address. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. We've got to be careful with our email address when, when we give it out. We don't really want it going on the website uh, or in the show notes because they get reproduced so many times and we want to preserve that email address because obviously it would be a bit of a disaster if that email address got spammed to death and then we had to change it because we've been talking about that email address uh, on all the podcasts yes. to date. So hopefully we can keep it. We'll see in uh, in a hundred shows time if it still exists. <laughs> hundred shows time. Let's see. Let's see uh, where we get to. A massive thank you to all of our Patreon supporters as well. Interestingly, we've only got three slots left now on our shoutouts, Patreon shoutouts. Um, amazing thing on on Patreon, which is fantastic. So if you do want to shout out on the show. Uh, there's only three more slots remaining at, at that at the moment. But a massive thank you to Douglas Deal. This will do Brendan at the Shades Workshop, Tim Bowers, Nick Fajardo, Adrian Millington, Chris Davison, Paul Gardner, Eddie Carroll, James Hewitt, Carl Poutney at the Strawbite Workshop, Steve Avery, Peter Tone, Owen Bullock, Tony Carnell, Adam Padley, Chris Mark Duthie and Max Vietz. Uh, also Mark Duff. Ben Harker, Harry Kappa, John T. Lynch, Duncan, uh, Chris Stokesmore, Ben Campbell from the Colonel Collective, Jason Williams, Wilson Chan, Kevin Steer, Dominique Kuzinskan, Andy Farmer, Randall Davis, David Chisnell, Kevin Miller, Peace of Timber, P-E-A-C-E, very clever, uh, Jim Hooper and Andrew Marnell. Yeah, thank you to everyone for helping us keep the lights on on this show. Remember, you can go to patreon.com slash measuringuppodcast if you want to help support the show. That would be massively appreciated. Uh, talking of which, we need to get on with the after show, don't we? So uh, I think we'll wrap it up for today uh, and just say thank you very much for listening. Always a pleasure to have had the pleasure of our company and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. See you in a couple of weeks.